Amen. And if you'd open your Bibles, please, to Genesis 22. Genesis 22, we're going to begin reading in verse 10. And we're going to begin a study on the name of God, or names of God. And uh, really, we began this a couple weeks ago talking about His house as a house of prayer, and His name is a strong tower. Uh, so we're going to begin to look at Jehovah, and uh, I think this is very interesting. I hope you listen. Uh, basically, God gives us a blank check. When you have Jehovah, what you put on the end of that is up to you. So just imagine if you were given a check with unlimited resources and you could just fill it out for whatever you wanted or needed. Uh, that's what God is offering us with His name, Jehovah. It's really an amazing thing. So let's look at Genesis 22 and look at verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. So uh, look there in verse 14. He called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. And uh, we're going to look at uh, the name of God. Very, very powerful. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we yield your spirit that he would lead and guide us as to what to say and how to say it. Help us to think clearly. Uh, we pray that you'd give us clarity of thought and uh, focus and intent. Help us to put aside the cares of this life for this short time and listen and study uh, intently on what you have for us that we would understand the power of thy name. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we began a few weeks ago talking about the house of prayer. In Isaiah 56, uh, Jesus was referring to this prophecy when he overturned the tables of the money changers when they had made it into a den of thieves. But he said, this is my house and it shall be called a house of prayer so we looked at briefly the two names of God as far as this study is concerned the first one is Elohim which basically means the far off holy unapproachable God that uh, is separated from his creation the second word is Jehovah, which is the mediator, the arbitrator, the advocate, the initiating 
one to restore the re and re uh, reconcile the relationship because of sin and then to restore the fellowship of this relationship and first timothy 2 5 says there, for there's one god and one mediator between god and man the man christ jesus so when we think about the name of god and a name in general oftentimes we are guilty we diminish it simply to an assigned identification so this is just something that we can identify with so that when we're thinking about a certain person or place we have this name in our memory bank and that helps us identify they know their name you know them by their name they know you by uh, your name and but sometimes we belittle this it's much much more than an assigned identification so the name has a meaning and in that meaning there's an attachment of character or power or the lack thereof and i encourage you to study your name you know and we can't help our name we didn't get to choose our name my name is jeffrey charles james uh, hopefully you know yours um, but that's my name uh, and my brother's name is russell paul james and my little brother's name is joe bradley james and my mom's name was nancy joe you talk about a hick uh, and my dad's Billy Joe uh, yeah, from the Red River of Oklahoma but we didn't choose our name so but the name whether we realize it or not and you need to get this has a power attached to it your name has a meaning that was beyond your control that your parents gave you and it's more than an assigned identification it could be a cursed name it could it could be a blessed name it could be a mundane name a big blah and it could be a name that's very hard to live up to um, you know my my daughter's name is jessica elaine james my wife kind of forced that one but it basically means the beautiful one who is wealthy from the Lord. And then you look at some people, what they, their name, look it up. It's kind of scary. Um, so, and then some people are named after a prophet. You know, and I've known people that name their children after a prophet. Hard to live up to. Um, so, study it what does your name mean you ought to look up your name what does it mean and then you'll see what you're up against because you either have something very hard to live up to or you have something very difficult to overcome you know like russell's name means red basically dirt he's got it made uh all he has to do to live up to that is be uh, but you know he's much greater than that we know that but you know think about what your name means my, my, my uh, what it's cold in here Paul is the greatest name that's where he got the, that overcame the dirt 
of Russell. But my, my wife's brother's name is Clay. Clayton. Uh, look it up. So, study your name. Now, we talk about Jesus. We sing the song. There's something about that name. Jesus. Now, how many people take his name in vain and the Bible says you will not be found guiltless? If you use his name and you don't know what you're talking about or why you're using it or what it means and, and you blaspheme his name or give the enemies of the Lord occasion to blaspheme his name or if you just use his name without referring to him and the power of that name notice even atheists like to cuss him and to blaspheme if they don't believe in him why do they cuss him it comes out of their wicked heart now there's something about that name Philippians 2 9-11 his name is so powerful that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father now if you call him Lord in a casual way, and he's not your Lord, you have no business using the name Lord. And that's where you're, you're guilty, and you're going to be judged, you're going to reap it. He's only the Lord if he's your Lord, and if he's not your Lord, you shouldn't use the word. And it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. So there's power in a name. There's power in it. Have you ever thought about Dolph Briscoe? You know, he's governor, the biggest landowner in our area, most powerful man in, in the area, at least in the old days. I think he might still be, I'm not sure. But his, his people say, man, he, oh, they got some pull. That name has some power, has some pull. You'll hear another name and somebody will say, well, who's that? Or what are you talking about? So when you think about the name of God, He can save you or He can destroy you. The very name. Now, I'm not saying God has to say it or will it. His name is so powerful that the name can save your whole life or the name can destroy your whole life. The power of the name. We believe in his name to be saved. You get baptized in his name. You are called by his name. They were first called Christians at Antioch, Acts 11, Christians. You bow to the power and authority of his name. You identify yourself, if you're a Christian, with his name. And you should claim his name knowing what it means to claim his name, to have the power of the name. Now, you ever heard people who are full of pride and they'll say, uh, what's a good name I could use that's generic and nobody... Is anybody here named Jones? Oh, Jerry Jones. Uh, hey, you can't do that. We're the Jones family. You have to live up... This is the Jones family so it's powerful not 
what God wills. And we're looking at tonight just the name, just to say his name, just to sing the songs about his name. It's so powerful, it'll change your whole life. And if you don't just use it as an assigned identification, he is the Son of God, the Word made flesh that dwelt among us, the living Word of God, the Scripture, the written Word of God, and in Him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The very name can change your whole life. I name the name of Christ. You know, the next time somebody accuses you or uh, misunderstands you, all you've got to do is say, I name the name of Christ. Good. Yeah. What does that mean? You better know what it means. Because if you take his name in vain, you will not be found guiltless. But if you use it biblically, something's going to happen. Why? There's power in the name. Right. There's power in the name. So... There are two sins I want to mention briefly by way of introduction. The first is what we call sins of the flesh. Now, most good old independent Baptists who are separated from the world and they fight the devil and hate sin, they're pretty good at this one. Sins of the flesh, uh, fornication, adultery, violence, uh, theft, you know, don't steal, murder, don't kill anybody, don't be violent and attack someone. This is what most people focus on, dancing, drinking, uh, you know what I mean, nightclubbing, carousing, whatever you want to call it, the sins of the flesh, uh, uh, having a worldly haircut, uh, dressing immodestly, these type of things. And, and that's a terrible, horrible sin. But there's something that causes that. There's the root cause, if you delve deeper, which is invisible and spiritual. So what we're talking about tonight with the name of God are the sins of the Spirit, which there are categories of sin, and some are worse than others. But really, sin is sin, but you have to go to the root cause. So if somebody has a cough, you can give them a cough drop. You can give them some numbing solution. You, you may solve the problem for a while, but it didn't really, I mean, you may eliminate the consequences of the problem, but to really solve the problem, you have to find out what's making somebody cough. You know, and a lot of Baptists only like to pass out cough drops they don't really want to solve the problem. Uh, you, you see this all the time. So, worse sins, really, is envy, jealousy, things that you can't see, it's it, lust, hatred, pride, these types of things, concupiscence, uh, inordinate affection, lasciviousness, and what Paul called the filthiness and superfluity of the flesh and these spiritual invisible sins. And one of those is 
simply an ignorance or a willing ignorance, a lack of knowledge and doctrine, that there's an impure motive deep, deep in the heart, or there's just this shallow, casual lack of awareness that causes an impure, unjust, selfish, half-hearted call of the name of God. So, Genesis 4.26, then men begin to call on the name of the Lord. It wasn't a good thing when they called on the name of the Lord. It was They did it in a bad way. So think about this. How are you going to know him by his name? How are you going to trust him? His name. How are you going to obey him through his name? How are you going to fear him through his name? And how are you going to love him and serve him? You're going to do it all through his name. And his name is so powerful that if you will accept it and believe it and claim it and say it, did you know there's a special blessing if you will read the book of Revelation out loud that you will get just by reading it out loud? Because why? It's the revelation of who? Jesus Christ. This is the revealing of of the Son by the Father of who Jesus really is. And when you read the book out loud, something great is going to happen. Something is going to change in your life. And then conversely, there's a special curse to anybody who adds to or takes from the prophecies in the book because they're changing the Word of God, the revelation. And the revelation is what? the manifestation of Jesus Christ. So who is he in the Old Testament? Jehovah. He's not Elohim. Elohim is God the Father. Jehovah is God the Son. So in life, uh, and we're just getting started, I can tell we're not going to get very far with this. The, uh, there are several life-changing events in our life. You can call it a crossroads, major events. I call it a rite of passage. There's something you face. You have to make a decision. You have to pay the price. You have to endure. And you have to go through it. Not around it. Through it. Not trying to get out of it. You go through it. And the grace of God is always sufficient. And these are monumental, extraordinary events that you have to go through in your Christian life and your walk with God. So, you know, what are some monumental events? Well, you were conceived. Most people don't even understand that's a miracle. And then you were actually born. Uh, and then in your early years of character development, and some of you still don't understand that, that once the characters develop at a certain age, you've got a tiger by the tail. And wait till that little 
cutie angel gets a driver's license and you're going to be in big trouble because you did not use the monumental event to develop their character when you could have. It's very quiet in here. Uh, your, your grades of education, they're monumental. You can't just show up and not apply yourself. This is monumental. You think about dating, courting, marriage, uh, children, all these types of things. Choosing your education, your career, these types of things. Then when you get saved, you get born again, you get baptized, you observe your first Lord's Supper. Which church do you choose? What type of preacher do you listen to? Do you believe in repentance or easy believism? The old King James or any fake Bible that calls itself a Bible. All these types of things. So when we look at the word Jehovah, there are three monumental events that took place with the name Jehovah in the Word of God. And these are God-ordained, test-approving, that you will meet God and go on with God, or you will meet God and you will turn back. It's Jehovah. So, when you think about this, it's really life or death. It's the secret to success or failure. And in these divine appointments, you can't get around it, you can't escape it, you can't ignore it. And you can't say that happened to them, but it won't happen to me. It happens to everybody as they walk with God. So, I'll just tell you what they are. First of all, Jehovah Jireh. Secondly, Jehovah Nissi. And thirdly, Jehovah Shalom. So, the problem is, if you have a casual outlook toward the name of God, and then you have a casual reading of the Word of God, and then you have a casual understanding of it, then you're just going to think, oh, God just decided to call this place that name. And, you know, every, every place in geography needs a name. So that's Jehovah Jireh. That's just the name of it. But it's much, much more than that. It has a power attached to it by the significant event that took place there in that location. And so just by way of introduction, I remind you again, Elohim or Elohe in, in the Hebrew is the holy, unapproachable, far off creator who hates sin, judges sin, cannot be tempted with sin, tempteth no man to sin, will not be in the presence of sin, and you need a priest to get to him. You need a high priest to get there. Now, who's that high priest? Jehovah. Jehovah. The Lord Jesus Christ. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So you don't need a man that calls himself a father and dresses like a mother. You need a pri uh, the priest, the high priest, Jesus Christ. Our priest. Who offered himself as the sacrifice then took his own blood to the mercy seat, sprinkled it, 
sat down on the right hand of the Father, and he ever liveth to do what? Make intercession for us. So he's our advocate, our defense attorney, our go-between. He pleads his blood with Elohim, the unapproachable Holy Father. And because of that, it's one of my favorite verses, we are saved to the uttermost. Amen. Uttermost. If you're saved, you're so saved, you couldn't lose it if you wanted to. Right. You know, and I understand these people who say they're saved, but they can lose it. And then, there's, then I'll say, well, what do you do to get it if you can lose it? And what do you have to do to lose it? Then they'll say, I don't know, but there's something you could do to lose it. And you know why they believe that? Because they're lost. Because right. they're still afraid of Elohim, and they don't have Jehovah. But then they like to sing songs about Jehovah Shalom. How's it go? I forget. The God of Abraham. I'm losing my Hebrewness. He is the Abraham. He's the God. He's Jehovah. Jehovah Jireh. Oh, here it comes. Jehovah Nissi. He is the great I am. And then they start dancing and singing. And all that stuff. Uh, and they're right and we're wrong. If you think that's weird, it's because we're wrong. Uh, they're God's chosen. So, the problem is, if you adopt a casual attitude, what's going to happen? You don't understand the name and the power of a name. There's something about that name, and just hearing that name changes your whole life. Being under the power of the name changes your whole life. So then Jehovah is the outreaching, initiating, loving God who wants to restore and reconcile and forgive through the shed blood of Yahovah. And I'm not Hebrew and I may be saying that wrong. But He reaches out as the Son of God, the second person of the Godhead, the loving, compassionate, forgiving God of mercy. Now, there are three divine appointments you have to meet Jehovah. And if you haven't met Him yet, look out. If you haven't met Him, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Each of these, and I'll just give you the introduction, is at an altar. An altar of sacrifice, biblical you know, I say like Brother Howe, that old-fashioned, old-timey altar that most people will not have in their life or their church. I love what Brother Roloff's radio broadcast was called, the family altar. You need to get your family at the altar to keep, to get right and to stay right with God. There's no other place these things happen. It won't happen at the mall or the park. It's not going to happen in your car. It's not going to happen at a birthday party. It's going to happen at the altar. So the modern apostasy, the falling away, is you can have a, a blasphemy of the name of God and then a casual, no commitment, no sacrifice, no paying the price to meet Jehovah. But you're not going to meet Him unless it's at the right place at the right time, it's divine, 
and there's an altar. So David, a man after God's own heart, said, I will not give the, uh, God anything that does not cost me. It will cost. So once again, I'm through for tonight, but just think about this. Meeting Jehovah in these three places, it's the, really the difference between success or failure, salvation or condemnation, walking with God, or being separated from God, victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave, or utter defeat and corruption, this is where it'll take place. It doesn't happen where most people think it does. And so we'll start, Lord willing, next week, uh, Jehovah Jireh. And, uh, you know, you can read it again. He said, I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Uh, it's a fearful thing. All right, let's stand. All right, let's pray for those who are not feeling well. Pray.